0: This morning, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 3, and I will begin reading in verse 7. Author of Hebrews writes, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways." Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. When was the last time that you were in the wilderness? No, I mean it. When was the last time that you were in the middle of nowhere? The last time that you were left with nothing other than your own ingenuity, your own strength, your own resources? Several years ago, in fact many years ago, I went camping in the wilderness with a couple buddies from college. We had a lot of great plans, we thought that we were tough enough, strong enough uh, to make this trip happen, and yet right when our trip was beginning to unfold, a cold front went in, and it became frigidly cold at night, so much so that even though we were supposed to spend a week camping in the wilderness, we got about halfway through and began to wonder, is this actually fun anymore? And so we begin to grumble. We begin to complain. And pretty soon we realized that even though we were out in the wilderness, we were actually only a few miles away from the car. So about halfway through the week, there was a mutiny. A vote was taken, two against one. I won't tell you who the two were, whether or not I was in the two or the one. But nevertheless, it was decided. We're cutting this trip short. And we're going to find the nearest motel with a warm shower. You see, the wilderness has a way of testing us, testing our resolve, testing our character, testing our strength. And as we will see this morning, the wilderness has a way of testing our faith. There's a lot of different images, a lot of different metaphors that the Bible uses to describe the church, there's the body of Christ the bride of Christ, the household of God. But the author of Hebrews uses a different image. It's a different metaphor. Author of Hebrews describes the church as a people in the wilderness. And this morning, he's looking back, looking back on the Old Testament people of Israel as they were wandering in the wilderness. And he is warning us He is helping us to recognize that we live in a wilderness too. Yes, our wilderness looks different. We're not wandering for 40 years in the midst of the desert, but you and I face deserts every single day. We, this side of heaven, are living life on a journey through the wilderness until we one day reach the promised land. Wilderness for us looks like disease sickness, cancer. The wilderness for us looks like the loss of a loved one. The wilderness for us looks like all of the pain and brokenness that we see in other people in this life that causes us to question, God, where are you? Can you be trusted? The wilderness for us looks like difficulty and strife in a marriage or the pain of a child who has gone their own way sometimes the wilderness for us are not bad things but actually good things sometimes the wilderness for us is prosperity sometimes for us the wilderness is the pursuit of happiness yes the wilderness has changed over the centuries for the people of God but one thing has remained the same The wilderness is that place where the authenticity of our faith is tested and unbelief is exposed. And this morning, the author of Hebrews wants to give us a vision of what real, authentic faith looks like in the midst of the wilderness. The first way I want us to see this this morning is this, that authentic faith, real faith, genuine faith, a faith that is tested. That kind of faith is obedient. This passage is really split between two sections, two parts. If you look in your bulletin or in your Bible, Hebrews chapter 3, 7 through 11, that's a direct quote from Psalm 95. Remember, this was written by a preacher. The book of Hebrews is really a sermon Delivered to a very small house church that found themselves in the midst of the wilderness, not literally, but figuratively. They were being pressed from every side, they were being persecuted, and they too were beginning to question their faith. It was being tested. And so the author of Hebrews is preaching. You could think of verses 7 through 11 like the reading of the word. And then he begins the sermon application in verse 12. That's where I want to focus this morning. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Again, in verse 19, he says, see, it was they who were unable to enter because of unbelief. Twice he uses this word, unbelief. They're like bookends. His message that he wants you and I to hear this morning, a warning against the dangers of unbelief. So as we get into it, if we're going to understand what he wants us to see, if we're going to understand what it means to have authentic faith, we have to understand what unbelief is. There is a difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt exists in every single follower of Christ. Doubt is questioning the faith that you already have. This morning, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer in the promises of God through Jesus, I have no doubt that at times you experience doubt. I know that to be true because I experience it as well. It's those moments in life where we look around us, us at our circumstances and we begin to question can God be trusted? We're holding on to our faith, holding on as tight as we can, but sometimes we feel our grip slip a little. It fills us with doubt. Unbelief is something different. Unbelief is the default position for the non-Christian. Unlike doubt, unbelief does not question a faith that they already possess. Unbelief is a hardened heart completely closed off to the reality and promises of God. Unbelief says there is no God. He cannot be trusted, and so I am going to believe in something else. In that way this morning, what I want you to see is that unbelief has more in common with disobedience than it does with doubt. I want to show you what I mean. I want you to look at verse 13. The preacher says, but exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. There's a couple things I want you to notice here. The first is this. Sin is deceitful. It's not just immoral. It's not just wrong, but sin, the author of Hebrews says, is a liar. Sin is lying to you. And it's asking you to believe its false promises rather than the promises of God. Sin is rooted in unbelief. Every single time that we sin, we are giving in to the temptation to believe a false promise. That this thing, whatever it is, is going to fulfill us, make us happy, ease our restlessness rather than the promises of God. So the author of Hebrews is saying, look, sin is a liar. It's deceitful. It's asking you to believe something else that leads to unbelief. But not only that, the deceitfulness of sin hardens the human heart. The more that we are given to unbelief, the more that we walk in sin, that we willfully disobey God and close ourselves off to Him, the more that there are calluses being put around our heart, and our hearts become hard. This is what unbelief does to us. And To help us understand what this looks like, the author of Hebrews is giving us an example from the Old Testament. at Psalm 95. Psalm 95 was a psalm about the rebellion of Israel after the Exodus. God miraculously rescued his people from slavery. He freed them from Egypt, and he led them through the desert, awaiting the promised land. As the Israelites wandered in the wilderness, they grumbled, just like you and I would. They faced harsh conditions. They were hungry, and they were thirsty, and they grumbled against God. They wondered, can he be trusted? And at time and time again, God graciously provided. He gave them manna so they could eat. He sent water from the rocks so they could drink. He led them through the desert by a pillar and a cloud of fire. Time and time again, they grumbled. And time and time again, God met them with gracious provision until finally they made it. After 40 years, they came to a place that was right on the doorstep of the land of Canaan right on the doorstep of the promised land. And before they went into the promised land, the place that God had commanded them to go into, this great blessing that would be their provision for years to come, they decided it would be wise and good to send in spies, a scout team to go ahead of them, to go and to look at the land and come back and report. When the 12 spies returned, they said that the land is beautiful It's flowing with milk and honey, but the people who live in the land are bigger than us and they are stronger than us and there is no possible way we'll be able to overtake them. And so there, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, right on the edge of the promised land, the people of God rebelled one last time. They questioned God's promise They defied him and then they led a rebellion to go back to Egypt, to go back to slavery. As you hear that this morning, you think, what on the world could they have been thinking? After all they had been through, they were so close. After all that they had seen God do, every miracle, every provision, how could they have wanted to go back to Egypt, back to slavery? Friends, that is what we do every single day, is it not? Every time that we sin, we are questioning the goodness and provision of God, and we're going back to Egypt. We're going back to slavery. So the author of Hebrews is saying, don't let your hearts be hardened. Don't be like the people of Israel wandering through the wilderness Do not rebel against the living God, but recognize that authentic faith, true faith, is the kind of faith that trusts, the kind of faith that hopes, the kind of faith that walks in obedience. Yes, this side of heaven, we will sin and we will fail and we will fall short time and time again. But we have to recognize that while we are saved through faith alone, as Calvin said, that kind of faith, the kind of faith that saves, is never alone. Amen. That kind of faith always bears fruit. That kind of faith says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So first, you have to know authentic faith is obedience. Second, you have to know that authentic faith The kind of faith that we're talking about is lasting. It holds on to the end. I want you to look at verse 14. Author of Hebrews goes on, he says, For we've come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. In the book of Hebrews, faith is always forward-looking. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. Here in Hebrews 3.14, he's describing faith as this kind of confidence that holds on until the end. So what I want you to see this morning is faith is not just looking back on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Faith is looking forward to the reality that one day Jesus Christ is going to return. And when he does, he's going to make all things new. And the author of Hebrews is saying, Hold on. Don't give up in the midst of the wilderness. I know it's hard. I know you feel stretched. But hold on. Christ is coming. Don't give up. Real faith, authentic faith, is the kind of faith that lasts. The kind of faith that holds on to the end. It's the kind of faith that perseveres. It endures through every trial, every struggle, every sin. The theological term for this is called perseverance of the saints. Authentic faith, real faith, perseveres. That once you have made an authentic faith in Jesus, you can never lose that faith. Once you are saved... You are always saved. Those of you who have been around the Presbyterian church long enough have heard of the acronym TULIP. I know for some of you this morning, you just learned that we're a Presbyterian church. (laughs) Welcome. We're glad you're here. TULIP stands for five different things. It's often called the five points of Calvinism. T stands for total depravity teaches that every single one of us this morning is a sinner desperately in need of a Savior. U stands for unconditional election. It teaches that God pursues us, that He comes after us, not because we deserve it, but because He first loved us. L stands for limited atonement, what I like to call effectual atonement. It means that there is not a drop of Christ's blood that was wasted, that when he died, his death was effectual. It was powerful to save his people. I stands for irresistible grace, that he comes after us and he pursues us by the powerful and irresistible work of the Holy Spirit. And P stands for perseverance of the saints that all those who are in Christ will belong to him forever. Now, whether or not you believe in all of these, look, I recognize some of you are four-point Calvinists. Some of you are three-point Calvinists. Some of you are seven-point Calvinists. You've made your own up and you've kind of added to it. I get that. Here's what I want you to see. At the heart of every single one of these is this. God is the author of salvation. And out of his great sovereign and mighty love, he is seeking and saving the lost. So as we talk about the perseverance of the saints, we have to recognize that we will persevere not because of us, but because of him. It's not up to us to persevere. If it was, none of us would. We talk about our faith lasting We have to recognize it's because it's been given as a gift. This is why R.C. Sproul said it's probably better to call it preservation of the saints. That he is the one who preserves us. I don't think it's an accident. The author of Hebrews is using Psalm 95 as his example for us this morning. When he begins quoting it in verse 7, he's picking up with the second half, but Our call to worship this morning looked at the first half. I want you to hear what we used in our call to worship. Psalm 95, verse 7. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. The Gospel of John, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Why does authentic faith last? Because Jesus is the good shepherd and he holds us in his hand and he will never let us go. The last thing I want us to see this morning Authentic faith, real faith, the kind of faith that bears fruit, the kind of faith that holds on to the end. Real faith is a work of the Holy Spirit. This morning, as you hear the warning of the author of Hebrews, this warning not to allow your hearts to be hardened, not to give in to unbelief, to have real and authentic faith, some of you this morning, I have no doubt, are becoming very anxious over your salvation. It's because some of you have very sensitive souls. You have a fragile spirit. You have an overactive conscience. And every time that you sin, you question your salvation. You're prone to perfectionism. And as you wrestle through the wilderness, you begin to see that you are fallible. You begin to wonder, well, maybe my faith isn't strong enough. Maybe I'm not actually saved. Others of you this morning are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Perhaps some of you this morning might be beginning to recognize that maybe your faith is just assumed. Maybe you say you have faith in Jesus because you know that's what you're supposed to do if you live in Dallas, Texas. Maybe it's because that's what you grew up with. It's what you inherited Or maybe it's just the best option among all the different religions. You might as well check that box. Or perhaps others of you are finding yourself somewhere in the middle. Like the people of Israel, you're wandering through the wilderness. And as the storms of life come, you begin to question, is this actually true? Wherever you find yourself this morning, every one of us has to ask this question. What is our assurance? How do we know that we have real, authentic faith, the kind of faith that saves through Jesus Christ? The only way that you can have faith like that is through the work and power of the Holy Spirit. Over and over and over again in this section of Hebrews, the author is quoting Psalm 95. I want you to look at verse 7. He says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 15, he says, as it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Hebrews 4, verse 7, he will say, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Do you hear the chorus? Over and over again, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Whose voice do we need to hear? We need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I know without a shadow of a doubt the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you this morning. How can I say that? I think we're told in verse 7. Do you see how the author of Hebrews introduces Psalm 95? He says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says. Friends, every time that we open up God's word, every time that we gather together as God's people, there is nothing less than the work of the Holy Spirit going on. He is speaking to you this morning, wherever your faith might be. Do you hear the warning of the author of Hebrews? If you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, do not harden your hearts, but receive him. Receive his work in your life. Recognize that the Holy Spirit is at work in you. He is illuminating your heart and he is giving you the gift of faith so that faith in and of itself can't even be a work that you do on your own, but it's a gift of God so that no man may boast. The Holy Spirit is not just working faith into you, but he is sanctifying you He's applying the death and resurrection of Jesus to you and he is holding on to you. And so this morning, however you find yourself, whether you have an overactive conscience and you're wondering, am I still in? Or you're just presuming upon the faith that you have. I want you to know this. Our assurance is not found in the strength of our faith. However much or ever litter. Our assurance is found in the strength of our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is holding on to you, brother. He is holding on to you, sister. In the midst of the wilderness, you are a sheep, and he holds you in the palm of his hand. And by the powerful work of the Holy Spirit, he is working salvation into your heart, and he will never let you Go. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, but receive his work in you. Let me pray. Father, we ask that you would do that in us. We find ourselves in many different places this morning as we wander through the wilderness. We pray that you would be our trailblazer, that you would go before us. And we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would work in us that you who began a good work in us would bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. We pray that you would do this, because we cannot on our own. We pray, Lord Christ, that you would be our shepherd, that we would be your, your sheep. Hold on to us, we pray, and never let us go. We pray in the strong and perfect and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.